0: Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Asher's Sales Sense. Brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process.
1: Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is Kyla O'Connell, Senior Partner and Sales Facilitator at Asher Strategies. Kyla's guest is Steve Benson, Founder and CEO of Badger Maps, the number one route planner for salespeople. The title of the show is, How to Lead a Sales Team in an Economic Downturn. Kyla, over to you.
2: Thank you, Dave, and welcome, Steve. We're so happy that you are joining us today.
3: Yeah, really excited to be here.
2: Your subject that you're going to be talking to us today is so timely. We're obviously all facing this economic downturn because of the current health crisis. And I think this is really going to be helpful for salespeople and sales managers who are listening to get some insights into what they should be doing with their sales team and their departments and their businesses during these times. Thanks again for being here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here.
2: You're the CEO of Badger Maps. What does your company do and how does it help field sales people?
3: So Badger Maps is uh, basically a way for field sales teams to view the information about their customers that usually lives in their CRM system. What we do is we connect to their CRM system and bring all that information out onto their mobile device on top of a map that allows them to perform a bunch of useful activities such as planning their day, planning their route, figuring out which accounts to focus on given where they're going to be, and generally be more thoughtful and organized about their time in the field so that they are able to spend less time behind the wheel, focus on the right people, and uh, end up selling more.
2: Wow. (laughs) That's a lot. That sounds (laughs) extremely helpful.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for the mouthful.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed the demos on your website, and I can see how critical that having that information in their hands in their phones, on their phones while they're doing you know visiting customers is, is got to be so handy. What are the new challenges a sales manager needs to overcome in a bad economy that they may not have been thinking about before?:
3: There's a couple things: first, new challenges that they're going to face from desperate competitors doing desperate things. A lot of companies are really, really hurting right now and in, in, uh, across the board. And they're willing to do things that they probably would not have done before, like liquidating their inventory to make ends meet uh, at discounted prices, basically. So deep discounting. Giving away free consulting or other types of free or subsidized slash low cost value to try to steal your customers away from you. Those competitors out there just Behaving differently is the first major challenge. I think another major challenge that sales managers, sales managers need to think about is new challenges that they're going to receive from their prospects, from their existing customers. You're going to get resistance around not wanting to engage, not wanting to meet in person, not mm-hmm. wanting to take the time to really appreciate what you're doing and how it could help them. If anyone didn't want to meet with you before, now they have a fantastic excuse not to resistant to spending money. So a lot of companies just have spending freezes coming from the top down, not to mention aggressive procurement offices who have been tasked with getting discounts out of your sales reps, generally jamming down your margins at your company so that they can uh, try to keep some more money in their pockets.
2: Right. Well, yeah, of course. I'm seeing all of those things happening. That's for sure. And other than negotiation training, How can a sales manager react in a bad economy to their margins compressing?
3: Well, specifically from the sales manager's perspective, one thing that you can do is tweak the sales plan, the comp plan, right?
0: Mm -hmm. If you
3: have a, a product with very tight margins, or in general, if you need your margins to be defended in these times, comping your reps based on the revenue they bring in right now, you could consider switching comping them based on profit margin. The reason that you do this is if your profit margins are 30% and your rep gives away a 15% discount, you actually need two deals like that to be worth as much as one deal was that you were getting in February before when you were able to get full price. If your rep's comp plan is aligned with revenue, that 15% discount, that only costs them 15% of their commission, right? But if the comp plan is aligned with profit, that 15% discount, just cost them half their commission and that incentivizes them to defend the margin a lot better if you align their comp plans with that profit line instead of with the revenue line. And in general you know you always want to design comp plans to be aligned with your business's needs right now and this doesn't mean you're going to pay your reps any less or you know rate change their target earnings around. Just means that you are going to, to change the plan in a way that rewards the reps that are generating the most profit, keeping margins, maintaining margins in these times.
2: Right. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that certainly makes a lot of sense. So what do sales leaders need to change in their behavior in a time of crisis to keep revenue flowing? I
3: think economic crisis is the toughest time to be a sales leader. You know, the whole company depends on the revenue you and your team are generating sales leaders really need to step up in a time of crisis in a lot of ways they need to be more responsive uh, to their reps give them the support they need you know they're scared they're worried about their jobs you know a guaranteed base salary from the ppp for a few months you know doesn't keep their commission check from evaporating and they probably weren't paying their mortgage with their base right so they really need right. Extra support right now more guidance more coaching managers need to spend a lot of time coaching and bringing new knowledge to the reps because you know, times are changing very rapidly and you know processes are changing and, and you just spend a lot of time working with each rep. So now more than ever, coaching is really important. Figuring out where they're finding success, what, where they're finding challenges are getting stuck and looking to unstick it. I mean, you really have to get down to the ground level in a time like this.
2: We do a lot of coaching here as well, and I've noticed a lot of changes. The conversations are different now. And what do you think are the areas that reps commonly need coaching in a down economy? I mean, you mentioned a couple before, but you know, how have your conversations changed?
3: I think it really depends on the team and the industry. I mean, I'm obviously in software, which is a different type of business than a tighter commodity product. But I guarantee no matter what the industry is, there are new areas that a team needs coaching. I think one specific area that everyone will need to be coached on is is building pipeline in these times. We often Mm -hmm. have to relearn to prospect and rethink who we're selling to in a bad economy because maybe you're the best buyer of your product or service has shifted a little bit to the right or the left uh, or, or even completely changed, right? Maybe new opportunities opened up, maybe old opportunities shut completely. So, you know, getting, getting good at hunting again is, is really important and getting out and prospecting and seeing it, seeing who's resonating with your messaging and, and who's able to engage your product in these times is is really important. I think managers need to be probably spending 50% of their time coaching their sales teams. Could be pre-call strategizing, debriefing after sales calls, could be joining them on sales calls to give them coaching, could be, uh, could be any of those things, but I think as a sales manager, you should ask yourself, well, I've been spending 50% of my time coaching my sales team lately because this is a time of change. Probably need to be walked through it, I would guess.
2: And when you think about some of the behavior changes that we're seeing in our customers, competitors, prospects, how can a sales leader leverage or take advantage of prospects? Not take advantage, but the fact that their prospects are actually picking up the phone and now maybe are being open to new ideas because of the down economy forces them to change like how can we how can leaders teach their reps to leverage that
3: i mean that's really important i think people are actually picking up the phones now more than i've seen basically ever (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) in my entire sales career right (laughs) i I can't think of of a better time almost i think that it's a good time to think about the structure of your sales team I think many Mm -hmm. sales teams, and and we see this a lot in software, but a lot less in many other industries, sales teams being broken up into your hunters, your account executives, and then your farmers, your customer success representatives, people that deal with your existing customers and making them successful. And then also your lead generation reps or your SDRs. We tend to break that up in in the software industry. Aaron Ross is the guy that kind of... uh, Formulated these thoughts to begin with, I think, or at least he's the first person I saw write him down in a book. What was it mm-hmm. called? Uh, uh, prospecting. And, well, anyway, the the Aaron Ross book that came out. I, I had him on my on my podcast recently, so I, he's kind of top of mind for me. I think a lot of predictable revenue was the name of it. Uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of companies could learn from that. I think, especially if you're not in software, maybe this is a new concept. If you were to break up your team, if you had 10 sales reps, and you know they were all sales reps generating generating leads, closing deals, and managing accounts. If you pulled out the ones that were really good at managing accounts and had them manage all the accounts, but not sell anything new, not generating leads, pull out the ones that are really good at generating leads and have them generate leads for everybody, you may get a bump in efficiency. It's hard for people to really focus on generating leads if they're also dealing with existing customers, also dealing with closing deals. So it's a great time to kind of rethink that and maybe consider shifting some things around to uh, be more efficient in that way.
1: Kyla, it's time to take a quick commercial break.
0: And let's do that break to remind you that over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. That's right, natural aptitude. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ as they call it, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. If you want to find out how to find the winners and choose the right people, go to AsherStrategies.com or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866 833 9941. And now back to our show.
1: We've been speaking with Steve Benson on how to lead a sales team in an economic downturn. Now back to Kyla and Steve.
2: It's interesting to go back to the discussion we were just having about breaking up the sales team into segments. And that is absolutely best practice. And we teach that in our methodologies as well. And when you think about it, too, there are different aptitudes. That are going to thrive in each one of those roles. Somebody who is has higher natural empathy is probably going to thrive in an account manager role, and then somebody who has an extreme high intensity driven personality is probably going to excel in that um, you know lead generation and hunter role. Right? It's not just more efficient, but it's also making everybody putting them in the right seat of the bus based on their natural aptitude. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. a great thing but to do.
3: If I had everyone kind of doing the same thing, first thing I would do is break off someone to manage my existing customers because it's so easy to over-optimize a company's revenue generator's existing customers. And you end up sacrificing a lot of new revenue by doing that. Like you, You'll serve your existing customers that extra little bit better, but at the cost of not bringing in nearly as many new customers as you could. have.
2: Absolutely. When you're building pipeline in, in this type of environment, how is it different in a tough economy versus a good one?
3: Great question. I think the first thing to approach here is to change your messaging. In a bad economy, people, your prospects are going to respond to different messages than in a good economy. And the, the biggest thing is that comes to mind for me is when you're, when you're in a bad economy, you need to change your messaging from, will help you do better. And right. you need to change it to something like, we'll help you do more with less, which is
1: mm.
3: subtly different, but is really uh, in, ter- in terms of what's going to resonate with them. And, and you can you can show them, you need to show them how much, how much in terms of dollars, you can help them do more with less. Could be less money, could be less manpower, could be fewer resources. Um, But I I guess I can give myself as an example, because I just did a training on this with my team a couple weeks ago. So when times are good, my messaging is, we'll help you sell 20% more with your field sales team. right? So help Uh you sell more. Now the message has to be, with Badger Maps, your outside sales team can generate the same revenue, even though that team may be 20% smaller. It's a slight difference, but it it really can resonate with your prospect in a different way because they're not looking to make things better. They're looking to keep the wheels on and they're under pressure to get more done with less. And so I think that's, and and this can go down to like at the top of your page on your website, you might want to change the wording that you have because the stuff that's been working for the last five years, maybe is the wrong message just slightly for these times.
2: Well, I've heard the term tone deaf, you know, I mean, even just not recognizing. Mm. I had a a coaching session with a VP of sales recently, and she kept reverting back to 2019. I was like, we kind of need to forget about 2019 right now because, (laughs) you know, everything is different now. And let's just kind of refocus and forward. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, businesses are un- under pressure to reduce costs. And in fact, many boards and CEOs may look at the high expense of sales and marketing as, as a way to reduce costs. So if you're a VP of sales and you're being told to reduce costs right now, how do you recommend approaching it?
3: Tough question, but one that is often needing to be answered in these times, where yeah, the CEO walks up and says, Hey, you gotta cut the team of it down. there's too much money going out the door here. So I guess First of all, I come from the perspective that salespeople are the engine of revenue in an organization. Given that revenue is really important to the company, sales is one of the last places to make cuts. Right. That being said, if there are weak links in your team and you have to cut costs, that's the first place you look. You can look at low performers who you probably would have have let go anyway eventually. But you can look at new, newer reps that haven't scaled all the way up or maybe reps that aren't scaling the way you'd like. But I think you want to cut really carefully, more carefully than you normally would with a uh, with, with a sales team. Your way up slowly from the bottom, which, which is kind of going against you know traditional business school thoughts of if you're going to do a cut, do one big one and don't don't make people worry and look look, look over their shoulder. Am I next? Am I next? Because it really eats up productivity. But with a sales team, and it's all about <laughs> overcutting. I think.
2: We t- totally agree. I mean, it's you're going to invest or put money into anything, try to put it into marketing and sales to keep things going. In a down economy, most people aren't thinking about recruiting. Obviously, if they're cutting people, they're not probably thinking of recruiting. But I believe there are a lot of great salespeople in the market right now looking for something new, their next position. What are your thoughts on recruiting in a down economy?
3: Yeah, well, I mean... The world's changed and it's not a candidate's market anymore, it's a buyer's market, you know, meaning we are coming out of an economy with very low unemployment and now we're in an economy with a ton of employment. So it wasn't possible to hire great sales talent, essentially, and now, it's, uh, now there's a ton of great reps out there that would love to work here. It's a great time yeah. to recruit. Probably the market for hiring great salespeople has never been better, I guess, because given that so many people have been laid off or furloughed it is a good time to invest in, in great salespeople. If you either make some upgrades in your team or have the ability to to make an investment and try to grab market share from your competitors by bringing in great salespeople, it's it's a great time to do that. I guess my thoughts on recruiting: you, you want to be very specific about the criteria, and more specific now than ever because you know you can be a little choosier with who you're hiring. So right. you be Very specific about the, you know the criteria you're going to bring in you're gonna use to to bring in candidates. You wanna ask yourself what is gonna make someone successful in this very specific sales role. You wanna write it all down. You wanna quantify the people that you're interviewing, understand their individual characteristics that they can display to you and find ways in the sales hiring process that you can get them to display it to you so you know who has the right characteristics to be a good fit. The job posting should be super specific so you can attract the right kind of people and not attract the wrong kind of people. I often see people putting things in job posts that don't need to be there. So a great example is if you if you don't need an MBA for a role, then don't ask for one. If you don't need seven years of experience to bring someone in, don't ask for it because you ended up scaring off great candidates that would have been very successful in the role with these types of false requirements. Another thing is I'd rather get a ton of applicants and give them all a five-minute sniff test on the phone than... Only have a few applicants that are the right fit, so that's another yeah. Thing to think about is you know keep the net broad, but then have some kind of inexpensive, quick way to sniff out who's who's going to make the the cut and who's not.
2: And of course, giving them a personality assessment. Of course, we sell the APQ, so we're big fans of that. But it amazes me how many companies don't use any personality assessment, and oh, it's like wow, it's like getting a crystal ball this person's personality before you have to live with it, right? And if if they have the right extremes in their personality that will translate into strengths in the position, then what a wonderful thing to know before you interview them. But what if some of their strengths will hurt them in this position? Then that's even more important to know before you hire them. And we definitely believe in the, the personality assessments. So your product really helps field salespeople and... You have a lot of expertise in field sales and you run a software company for salespeople. They're under a ton of pressure right now since they can't go out into the field, right? And Mm -hmm. that's probably changed for good in some way, shape or form. So how do we bridge a gap of having no face-to-face visits, especially when our sales pitch is based around a customer experiencing the product in person and the product can't be demoed via video or other methods?
3: Yeah, there are definitely some really you know, hard stories here for sure. There are a lot of products that are really best sold in person or nearly impossible to sell not in person. Yeah. And you know, anything else that you do isn't going to work as well. So you know, what to do now, what do we do here? Uh, I guess you need to stay productive You need to keep generating new sales cycles and moving existing cycles downfield, even if you can't demo the product in person. And we're we're seeing uh, we're able to keep see stats on this. and We're seeing these types of meetings are down 20% now from where they were in like February, just kind of across the board. There's 20% less sales meetings, economic activity, and it was obviously in mid-April or May, far lower than now. Now is July 6th. A lot of meetings that were occurring are not occurring today, down by about 20% off the off normal. So I think it's important to focus on filling the top of the funnel uh, instead of necessarily putting all your focus on the middle or the end of the funnel. I, I think uh, it's a great time to invest in social selling skills. I mm-hmm. think uh, this is a big enough topic for a book. I've had several experts on my podcast over the years about social selling, and there's so much nuance to it. There are some clever tactics out there to generate new leads, and deepen existing customer relationships with social media, especially LinkedIn for the B2B world. But I think right now that the goal has to be to advance the relationship, move the sales cycle forward, knowing you might not be able to close it just yet, but then you'll have everything teed up to be closed once you can get back in front of your customers and actually close the deals in person. So once your customers' businesses open up or once you're able to get in front of
1: them. Isla, it's time for the wrap up.
2: Obviously, communication, just kind of a final thought here, a final question. Communication is so important in a crisis. What are some thoughts you have or you can leave us with around how a sales leader needs to change their communication in these times?
3: Communication is you know, always a, super important for leaders. But right now, I think transparency and over-communicating is, it should be the, the, the thought top of mind. Don't worry about over communicating. If, if people hear things more than once, it's fine. People want safety, they want security. And as a business leader, you're responsible for that base layer of people's pyramid of need money that they use to pay for their food and, and their home with and their health care. Yeah. Ultimately, their long term financial security. You're also responsible for higher up things too, you know, enjoyment of life or, you know, those types of things. But right now, you need to it's one of your key responsibilities is to communicate really clearly and honestly and transparently about where things are at so that people can plan accordingly. And from a productivity perspective, if you don't over-communicate with them and you're not clear, they're going to spend all their time worrying about the worst, right? Or
2: looking for a new job, maybe. <laughs> right, yeah,
3: well, that's planning for the worst, right? So, you got to give yeah. them a, an immediate term plan, a midterm plan, a long term plan, and, and show how those shift based on the different external factors. If it's a small recession, if this is, ends up being a huge recession, how does it change? And you need to make them comfortable yeah. because they know what to expect and feel like someone's, you know, they can count on someone is kind of keeping things, keeping their best interests in mind
2: right absolutely More, more wow. sales.
3: Thank you. maybe maybe two a day
2: more sales it's a, it's, we were using that term today actually thank you so much for all of this great insight at such a critical time and place in our history i guess for times to think differently and you gave us a lot to think about today so thank you so much how can um, any of our listeners reach out to you just find you on linkedin or through your website
3: yeah. The, you know, Steve Benson, Badger Maps, you can look me up on LinkedIn. That'll find me. There's a lot of Steve Bensons out there, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
2: the, the,
3: the website's badgermapping.com. If, if you are on a field sales team and, and you'd like to see what sorts of things we do, if you end up talking to our, one of my uh, sales reps or it, you, the use the code podcast 20 and let them know that you were tortured by having to listen to me for like an hour and they'll give you two months off to, uh, <laughs> to use the product <laughs> and try it out and, and they know the suffering of listening to me well. So it's <laughs> they'll, they'll it. feel your pain.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again for being here with us today on Asher sales sense. Really appreciate it. Thank you.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: And thank you, Kyle and Steve. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to join us again next week at the same time. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please, Get out there and sell something. Paul,
0: take it away. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of Asher Sales Sense right here on the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you.